We good? Okay. Yeah. Welcome back to Night Swims, a podcast hosted by two idiots who think they know everything about mysteries, conspiracies, and strange phenomena. <laughs> mysteries, conspiracies, strange phenomena. I'll be honest, man. Three episodes <laughs> in a row. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. But it's worth it for you guys. For you. For you. For you. All righty. Oh, mac and cheese. Ready? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Word association? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. Let me fix this real quick. All right. Legos. Cool. Not for kids. Cardboard. Pollution. UFC. Fights. Green. Uh, Me. Football. I played it. Wilson. Smith. (laughs) What were you thinking of Will Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, Wilson from uh, Castaway. Oh, okay. Wilson! Yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ewan McGregor. Mustafar. Darth Vader. Lightsaber. All righty. I think we're ready to go. Yeah. Fiesta Bowl. PlayStation. (laughs) (laughs) We're ready to go. All right. Um, Well, do you have any tidbits? In the no, I haven't gathered you anything any in the past little in the past while. Two hours. Yeah. Nothing? Nothing's going on in the world? Let's no. see. Let's oh, see. God. Okay. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull up my news tab. How do I do that? Why won't the this I hate this iPhone yeah. setup. I'm not even gonna bother. No, I don't know. Well, it's uh, currently three fifty eight, almost four on a Saturday afternoon. And I'm about to read y'all a uh interesting story an interesting mystery um it involves some letters and a, a small town in ohio called circleville does it ring any bells jackson no nothing it's not well um so this today this topic is brought to uh, us by the dark histories podcast um, so shout out to them we're I didn't find this from them, but we're reading something from a podcast. They so they apparently they have this website and they put the story up on it um, after they covered it, so you can read about it, I guess, while listening. Hmm. But we're gonna, I'm gonna give them a shout out. Uh, y'all go check them out because <laughs> this is where I'm getting my information from. This has the longest version, so um, yeah, they wrote a lot. So. Um, hmm. So let's get into it. All right. Uh, all right. So this this topic is called the Circleville Letters. Um, and here's how it starts. Uh, quote, I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. This sounds just like the watcher. Yeah. Um, so read the first letter received by Mary Gillisby, a resident of Circleville, Ohio, in December of 1976. Communication from this anonymous letter writer continued for decades and reached out over a thousand recipients. Um, Disturbing, threatening letters that documented private matters of residents, including illicit affairs, sordid relationships, and corruption swarmed through the town as events surrounding them grew ever more dramatic and the stakes grew higher. In this episode... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? In this episode, 
as in our episode and their episode, we take a look at strange and unsolved case that has become known today as the Circleville Letters. Thank you, Dark Histories, again, for this in-depth story. Um, Circleville, Ohio, 1976. Circleville, Ohio was a small town described over and over again as the sort of place no one locked their doors. You'd be forgiven for dismissing this cliche phrase, though seeing how, as how Circleville Pumpkin Show is an annual event which still sits as one of its top attractions. It's likely that this description is a lot closer to the reality that one might, one might think. Uh, the town itself lies 25 miles south of Columbus and has a population of 13,000. Um, from the outside, there would be little cause to, to doubt that it, was, that it wasn't anything other than a cozy little town that first appeared as it first appeared. Um, in the late 1970s, however, life was to be turned upside down for a considerable number of its residents and instead of the safety of home. Instead of the safety of home, <laughs> uh, Circleville would represent the, settle, the setting of a tangled web of hearsay and gossip, with residents suffering accusations of corruption and calculated murder. Um, one of the locals, Mary Gillespie, a bus driver for a local town school, became acutely aware of such a reality when, in December of 1976, she received an anonymous letter written in tall, stretched block capitals that read, Stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about knowing him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house, and you have, I know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified, and everything will be over soon. The anonymous tone and threats in the letter were referring to an alleged affair between Mary Gillespie and Gordon Massey, the superintendent of a local school. As promised, the letter writer had indeed been contacting others too, many others. Throughout the next two weeks, residents right across Circleville received letters that claimed to know intimate private details about the re recipients' lives. The letters were postmarked from Columbus, where were anonymous and contained no return address. Um, in many cases, they threatened harm, either physical or or through the, destru the destruction of careers and personal lives. Some contained graphic drawings, and worryingly for most, many of the letters were hitting the mark on their accusations. Um, someone in the town knew an awful lot about other people's business, and they weren't pleased at all. In total, thousands of people had been or were in the firing line uh, to be contacted by the unknown writer. Life in Circleville had turned very sour indeed. So here is the mysterious death of Ron Gillespie. After Mary received... Her, her husband? Mm -hmm. Okay. After Not Mary, the affair. Mm, well, well it, it'll tie in. Victim of the yeah, affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. The, the one would say the cuck. Um, <laughs> nice. um, after Mary received her letter... Uh, she and the superintendent, Gordon Massey, denied the accusations of the affair, and she attempted to keep both the letter and subject matter hidden from her husband, Ron Gillespie. Less than a week later, she received one more similar communication, um, but made little effort to appease the writer by meeting his demands that she come clean on the affair. 
Uh, so these letters, are they... So like the letter about the affair, mm-hmm. was it sent to that her house or were they sent to like other people's houses about other people? No, no, no. They, they were sent to her house. Got it. But I think... Other people so then received how do people, the same letter. Okay, so peop, so other people had like similar letters about like their own lives. Did they all know that they had the letters at the same time? I want to say yes because word spread okay. around. Um, it was like she's like somebody could have been talking to Mary and they're like, hey, so is that like true? And she's like, how do you know that? And it's like I Got received it. a letter. Okay. She's like, oh my god, I received a letter. Okay. Um, so two weeks after the first letter arrived, she received a further third letter. This time, the stakes for admitting her alleged infidelity had risen. Uh, the letter was written in the same handwriting as the first and read, Gillespie, you've had two weeks and done nothing. Admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CBS, posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out. Not quite content with simply threatening to swear to smear Mary's name across town, the writer then also wrote to her husband Ron, outing the extramarital relationship, and told him to put an end to the affair or else his life would be in danger. The letter to Ron read, We must inform you that your wife is having an affair with Mr. Massey. She has chased him until he caught her. Uh, eliminate them both before they eliminate you. Remember, we know where you work and know your red and white truck. No one can help you. Think of your children and their future. Call the school board and report the truth after you finish your investigation. Notify the school board immediately. Again, your life is in danger. That was the letter to Ron. Mm. Um, A sharp escalation from the veiled threats and psychological fear the mysterious and seemingly zealous writer had utilized until now. The writer had also switched to a less traceable handwriting style, one, one of squared-off capital letters were thickly drawn and evenly spaced, a series of blocks on the page. Um, at a loss for what to do next, Mary and Ron enlisted the help of their close family, Ron's sister Karen, her husband Paul Frischor, and Paul's sister. After knocking heads together, the group came up with a suspect. A few of the letters were signed with the letter W. And they surmised from this that the writer was in fact one uh, one Bill or William Massey, Gordon's own son. Certainly, he had a motive to protect his mother and his family. After the meeting, Paul wrote a series of three or four letters to William, asking him to stop writing the threatening letters and whether or not it was a coincidence. The letters stopped for a period... Uh, though several weeks later, they started coming up again, just as abruptly as they had seemed to have stopped. In August of 1977, now nine months from the initial outbreak of mail, Ron was at home looking after his children when he received a mysterious phone call. In recent weeks, Ron had been receiving continued letters threatening his life and informing him that his pickup truck was being watched and his movements followed. Um, this harassment now seemed seemed to extend to a phone call. Ron slammed down the phone receiver, grabbed his gun, a small twenty-five caliber caliber pistol, and stormed out of the house. It appeared that Ron had decided on that evening to confront the letter writer. Perhaps it was the phone call that took it a step too far, or perhaps he recognized the voice on the other end, other end of the call. 
None of these details will ever be known, as unfortunately, Ron only made it to the end of the street, where he lost control of his truck and slammed into a large tree, killing him in the process. Might have been some foul play there on the truck, since he was being watched and followed. Um, The Pickaway County Sheriff, Dwight Radcliffe, headed an investigation into Ron's death, and whilst he first suspected foul play, he later changed his mind and ruled it as an accident for reasons unknown to anyone but those in on the investigation. Uh, This fact might not seem overly outlandish until the coroner discovered uh, during Ron's autopsy that his blood alcohol level was 0.16. Dang. Um, Almost two times the legal driving limit. His family were not impressed with this finding and vehement, vehemently stated vehemently vehemently stated I think I vehemently that's what it, that's what it looks like it's fucking dumb they vehemently stated um, that when he had left the house on the fateful evening Ron was not drunk as it happened Ron was according to his family and close friends only an occasional drinker who rarely if ever drank himself into a state anywhere near to a level of outright drunkenness um, one other curious finding during the investigation was that Ron's was the state of Ron's gun. Uh, forensics on the weapon found that it had been fired, discharging a single bullet. No bullet holes were found inside the vehicle. However, no bullet was ever discovered or ever recovered from the wreckage, uh, which also rather curiously has been sent to a crusher's and disposed of only days after the accident. With the death of Ron Gillespie, one might think that the letters would have ceased or slowed down. However, this was not to be the case. Uh, over the coming years, Mary continued to receive mysterious mailings, which eventually escal- escalated to posters and signs spreading around town. So he's following through with that threat. Um, almost all focused entirely on her alleged affair, and, and several threatened not only her and Massey's job stability, but the lives, but the life of Mary's children, too. Referring to Mary's 12-year-old daughter, one spoke of how the writer would put a bullet in her head. Jeez. Uh, between 1977 and 1983, Mary received 39 letters in total. Whilst Mary had been, had been marked as a focal point for the writer, she was not the only, part, only recipro- recipient in the same period letters to the residents of Circleville, totaled to the thousands, uh, enough to fill a storeroom in the Pickaway County Police Station. After six years of this focused harassment and the death of her husband, Mary Gillespie and Gordon Massey finally came clean about an affair that had been happening between the two. Uh, Though they stated adamantly that the relationship had begun in 1979, only after the letters had made their accusations and only after Ron's death and Massey's own divorce. Uh, This apparently is still not enough to appease the writer who carried the tirade regardless, calling for an end of the relationship at once. Um, Acme traps and an arrest. In February of 1983, the letter writer's attacks on Mary Gillespie had intensified to a new level. They had now begun to place signs along roadsides of Circleville, whilst on her bus route and seeing a sign that accused her daughter of an illicit rela- relationship with Gordon Massey. Mary had had enough. She pulled her, 
her bus over by the sign, stormed out of the bus, and approached the sign to rip it down. As she was about to do so, however, she noticed something curious. A length of twine hung from a crudely made box that the poster was attached to. She removed the entire structure from the roadside and brought it and bought it back, brought it back onto the bus. As she pried open the, the lid, splitting the glue that held it all together, she found inside two large blocks of styrofoam holding a pistol in place, the twine attached to the trigger. This crudely built trap was designed to fire at anyone who tore down the sign. Jeez. At first, Mary could not believe what it was, what she was looking at. She testified in court later that she thought the gun was perhaps a starter pistol rather than a live firearm. Curiously, however, rather than immediately reporting the incident to law enforcement, she took the device home. After several hours, she finally drove it, drove it to the station, and upon uh, investigation and the recovery of a poorly filed serial number, the police found that it belonged to Paul Freshore, her recently deceased husband, Ron's brother-in-law. On February 25, 1983, Sheriff Radcliffe invited Paul Freshore <coughs> to accompany him to the station to answer some questions concerning the Circleville letters. He was asked to copy the handwriting as best he could and then had content from several letters dictated to him and was asked to write the content down. Uh, following this particular form of handwriting analysis, Paul Freshore took the, the sheriff to his home uh, to show him where he normally kept his gun in the garage. Naturally, the gun was missing as it was currently in the, sh in the care of the police. Fresher claimed it to have been stolen. However, Radcliffe decided otherwise and arrested him for the attempted murder of Gary, or not Gary, Mary Gillespie. And now, now Gary Gillespie. Yeah, now, now Gary. And now, the trial. Still got a good bit. Um, on October 24th, 1983, Fresher's trial uh, begun amongst much media attention. Freshore pleaded not guilty and was denied the opportunity to take a stand as, wit as a witness in his defense by his own lawyer, as despite uh, the accusation and trial being concerned only with the charge of attempted murder. Thirty-nine letters were used against him as evidence that had been addressed directly to Mary. If Paul took the stand, it was deemed that over 1,000 letters and postcards would become admissible to the court, involving hundreds of residents. Both Paul and his lawyer knew full well the hatred that the letters inspired in the town and presumed that with the letters pinned on the trial in such a way, any case Paul could possibly make for his innocence would be utterly in vain. In the run-up to the trial, there had already been several news reports in local newspapers insinuating that Freshore was, was guilty of writing the letters and stories even circulated circulated that he stated he had admitted having penned the letters in a fact which was simply not true. Throughout the trial, several key facts were presented that gave Paul Freshore a glimmer of hope. Under questioning uh, concerning the, writer, the writing of the letters, Sheriff Radcliffe admitted that they had 
asked Paul to copy the, the letters and told him exactly how they wanted him to write, which is a, per, a peculiar way to obtain a sample of handwriting indeed. I showed him block forms. He said how or what we wanted him to write. Sheriff, Rad, Sheriff Radcliffe also confirmed that no items, materials, or tools that were used in the construction of the booby trap attached to the sign were found in his house nor in his garage. Neither did they find any ammunition for the gun that was found inside the booby trap. Further, there were witness reports of a man hanging around the roadside right next to the position of the booby trap just 20 minutes before Mary made her discovery. The man was said to be standing next to an orange Chevrolet El Camino, a car Freshor did not own, and the description of the man matched his appearance, did not match his appearance. Curiously, it was later brought up that the original statements claimed the El Camino to be yellow. However, somewhere along the line, this was inexplicably changed to orange at the trial. Freshor also supplied an alibi for the entire day that the booby trap was found by Mary Gillespie. Despite these facts, building a relative strong defense at the end of, of the very public proceedings, Paul Freshor was found guilty of attempted murder and sentenced to 7 to 25 years in jail. With Paul now behind bars, Circleville Cirque, could breathe easily, or so many thought. Any hope was quickly dashed when the, as the letters seemed to continue. Only it wasn't wasn't only residents of Circleville that had begun receiving mail for the mysterious letter. Whilst in jail, Paul rec received a letter postmarked from Columbus, Ohio, and written in, only, in the now only overly famous squared-off block capital letters. So, it might not be him. You're right. My throat's getting scratchy now, mm -hmm. too. In the water. Ugh. An impossible letter. Paul Freshore was serving his time in the Lima Correctional Institution, almost 100 miles northwest of Columbus. My laptop's on 27%, just to right, we're, let we're, you know. We got... <laughs> Good bit. But Jesus. We, can get we can get through it. All right. Don't, don't, don't flub. I'm, I'm not. I'm trying to find where I was. Um, almost 100 miles northwest of Columbus when he received a letter that reflected the style of the early le earlier letters that had plagued Circleville for so long. The bold block capitals remained taunting uh, Paul from the page. Prior to his incarceration, many in Circleville had believed he was guilty of pinning the letters. Indeed, the sheriff and the local media had been making no bones about pinning the guilt of the Circleville writer onto for sure. The first letter, however, was simply the first of many that would go on to receive that he would go on to receive during his time spent in jail, all of which taunted Paul in his current situation. An excerpt of one was quite clear and read, Shame how things work out. Better you than me. The sheriff says you did it, but we know but we know better, don't we? Worse perhaps for law enforcement in Circleville, and in all probability for the residents themselves, the letters continued to find their way to mailboxes of residents throughout Circleville. Some assumed Freshore was smuggling them out of prison, and the sheriff, in his attempts to alleviate the local fears, hastily had Paul placed into solitary. 
Since the letters confinement, that yes, is. yes, yes, yes. Still, the letters came. Not the card game. <laughs> well, it's just solitaire. Oh, <laughs> you learn more every day. Um, one local paper reported on the letters sent whilst Paul was incarcerated and placed the number in the hundreds. Throughout, Sheriff Radcliffe main- maintained the police. Throughout, Sheriff Radcliffe maintained the police had done their duty despite evidence mounting to the contrary. I think we got the right man, he said. I know what Freshshore wants. He's trying to say, look, I'm in prison, but the letters have never stopped. Um, This is a bold attempt to soothe the fears around Circleville, especially as no method or theory as to how letters might have been coming out of the prison was offered. Tessa Unwin, the spokesman for the Pickaway State Prison System, stated publicly herself that it would be almost impossible to smuggle letters from the prison. They kept a real close eye on him and his visitors. I don't see any way humanly possible for him to sneak out something, he, she said. Despite the headaches the letters were causing Sheriff Radcliffe, they were bolstering Fresher's likelihood of an early release. In 1988, he applied for parole, but his appeal was denied. In an act of desperation, he submitted himself voluntarily for three separate polygraph tests, all of which he passed. Though after his next appeal in 1993, he was once again denied uh, early parole. Finally, in 1994, after ten and a half years behind bars, the statements from prison wardens were made that cast strong doubt in his ability to send letters from his position in jail. His appeal was granted and he was released. And throughout all this, still, the letters continued. Conspiracy. After his incarceration ended, Paul Freshore put together a 176-page PDF in which he documents the side, his side of events, annotating press coverage, trial transcripts, and various official documentation, maintaining his own innocence in both the letter writing and the formation of the booby of the booby trap, much of the document also focused on several conspiracies that mounted to a mountain of corruption being carried out by those at the top of law enforcement within Circleville. The cover letter for his documentation and sent the cover for his letter for his documentation and sent to the FBI started off strongly. Pull, pulling few punches. Dear FBI, I'm asking that you get involved in my former brother-in-law's murder because I believe it was a murder and covered up by the sheriff of Pickaway County here in the state of Ohio. I was sent to prison because a series of obscene and threatening letters had the county in panic. I did 10 and a half years and the letters continued undisturbed and uninterrupted just as always. Freshure then goes on to cre- to make several claims, all of which he thinks had strong evidence, including that he offered to pay a reward for information on the letter writer. But Sheriff Massey had disallowed it. That many of the letters contain arsenic and conspiracy pe- perpetrated by Sheriff Massey himself in order to protect his reputation and advance his career. I believe that the obscene, threatening, and dangerous letters were concealed because they would interfere with Sheriff Radcliffe 
becoming the National Sheriff's Association Association's president. Uh, he wrote, see the date of the letters and the date of his involvement with the National Sheriff's Association. The crime rate in Pickaway County at the time would have eliminated him from this appointment. Uh, in fact, this was just the start of the corruption, according to Frischore, because he goes on to accuse the sheriff of mismanagement of funds as well as fudging crime figures over a number of years. He then goes on to claim that one of the prosecutors in his trial was also trying to cover up their own rather large, ugly mess. He claimed that the important details concerning the case, specifically those that involved a local school teacher, Vicki Coach, or Koch, um, herself a victim of an unsolved murder to this day, were being buried and kept out of the public eye, and even goes as far as to outright accuse him of murder, um, giving the motive of illicit pregnancy between herself and the prosecutor, uh, that if uncovered by the letters would have gone on to destroy his legal career. Dramatically, according to Frashore, one of the letters threatened to dig up the bones of a baby in the cemetery in mail and mail them out across the county if, outs if outside investigations didn't get involved with the murder case and claimed that the sheriff had tried to cover this up. Though a TV station interviewed the parents of the baby who had received the letter, the level of corruption um, that Frashore accuses the local law enforcement of ran incredibly deep and essentially boiled down to his arrest. His arrest, trial, and incarceration um, have been carried out in a, as a way to further careers of the powers that be and to show Sheriff as a local hero for solving the case, despite the fact that letters carried on whilst he was in jail. Freshore even accuses the Sheriff of propagating the rumors that it was Freshore writing the letters from jail before his trial. Uh, these accusations maintain that he covered that the covered-up information was intentional to stop his truth from coming out on a grand scale. <sighs> conclusions. <laughs> Before attempting to make any sort of conclusions, we are perhaps in need of a recap. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, here we have the story of an anonymous letter writer who, amongst other things, was hell bent on outing an affair between Mary Gillespie, a, a school bus driver, and Gordon Massey, the school superintendent. At least one, but possibly two unsolved deaths in both Mary's husband, Ron Gillespie, and later a school teacher, Vicki Koch. Um, a bitter divorce that heavily implies that implies the framing of Paul for sure, landing him in prison for over 10 years. Claims of deep and winding corruption entrenched in the Pickaway County legal system and through it, throughout it all, over 20 years of disturbing letters that totaled into thousands. If we accept Yent's story of events and run with the two, with the two writer theory, um, we can answer that the mystery that the mystery of the Circleville writer, however, with this uh, okay, with this suspect David Longberry, did I miss something? Oh Jesus. Oh, yep. Okay. David Longberry and the Bitter X. I just completely skipped over that. Oh. Um, as if the spider's web was not wound tightly enough around the case of the Circleville letters, inner journalist and private investigator Martin Yant. Yant investigated the Circleville letters case in 1993 for an article that he was writing for Columbus Alive. 
piecing together both contemporary statements made by him as well as a communication with him in early 2017 as a user from the Unsolved Mysteries online message boards. Yant tells an interesting tale of two parts with two quite different letter writers. In the first, Yant claims that the original letter writer was a man by the name of David Longberry, who worked at the local school and had something of an inf- infatuation with Mary, or for Mary. Um, however, she rebuffed his advances. Yant theorizes that Longberry embarked on a rather epic journey of writing thousands of letters over many years in, jeal- in a jealous rage, justified to himself as a way to get back at Mary. Uh, the second half of Yant's conclusions concern Freshor and his divorce to his ex-wife. Ron Gillisby's sister, Karen Sorek, in 1983. Um, in the months prior to his arrest for attempted murder, uh, Paul Freshore was wading through a rather messy divorce. Things were not looking good for Karen, who had been caught by Paul having an affair. Uh, she had lost everything in the divorce settlement, including her home and custody of their two children. After their divorce, she moved into a, rather, into a trailer on Mary Gillisby's land. And during her time there, she told Mary that Paul was the Circleville writer. Mary promptly uh, relayed this accusation to Sheriff Radcliffe, and less than two weeks later, Paul was arrested. After his incarceration, Carrie received everything she had lost from the settlement, the house, the custody of the children, and even Paul's pension. Uh, writing to the parole board in 1993 in support of Freshor's release from prison, Yant wrote of Karen, In my 22 years as a journalist and investigator, I don't think I've ever met an individual so consumed with such irrational hatred for another and a willingness to say anything, no matter how probably false, to defame him. He then goes on uh, to drop the heavy bombshell that related back to the mysterious color-shifting Chevrolet El Camino from Freshore's trial. Chevrolet El Camino. As I related... In Columbus Alive, this report placed a man, unlike Paul Freshore, in the appearance at the scene of his alleged crime shortly before it occurred. Although I didn't say it in the article, the color and the model of the vehicle, the man appeared to be driving, uh, matched the description of one owned by brother, by the brother of uh, Karen Sue Sorek. Now the conclusions. <laughs> so... Where was I? If we accept Yant's story of events and run with the two-rider theory, we can answer that the mystery of the Circleville rider, however, with the with his suspect David Longberry, there is a mo- there is motive for Mary and Ron's letters. But what of the hundreds of thousands of other letters written to hundreds of other residents? Whilst true, many letters seem to concern the school system. What motive? would he have to accuse, threaten, and harass so many various people for all manner of activities, most of which had zero to do with him. Whether or not the claims made by Paul Freshore regarding the corruption were true or not remains unresolved, unresolved. He clearly went to some degree of effort to write the lengthy document and surely had a degree of confidence in his claims as he sent it to the FBI requesting they take investigation, investigative action. Um, he also maintained a website that hosted much of the documentation uh, right up until his death in 2012. For the sake of conclusion, we can set this aside for now. 
without an, an official investigation, it is highly likely that none of the truths behind these claims will be known, whether they support Paul's story or not. However, even by treating the case in such a blase manner as this, we are still left with pondering the motives of many. What exactly was the relationship between Mary and Sheriff Radcliffe? And right at the top, what of the mystery of Ron's death? Why did, why did the sheriff so readily change his mind from foul play to accidental? What of the alcohol found in his system, despite his family arguing against him being drunk at the time he left the house? And what of the mysterious bullet fired from his gun? The Circleville, the Circleville Letters uh, is a mystery that runs incredibly deep and twists and turns at every possible corner. Was David Longberry really the original writer in the late 90s? Longberry went on the run after raping an 11-year-old girl and was found having hung himself several years later. During the time he was on the run, there were rumors that the letters continued. In fact, there have been sporadic reports of letters being received right up until 2003. The sheer span of time and volume of, of letters is mind-bending, is a mind-bending mystery itself. Fifteen years on with no letters reported, it seems as though the plague of the circle of the letters might, fin might finally be behind the town, allowing it to return to its cozy state or cozy days of annual pumpkin shows for longtime residents who oversaw the entire timeline of events. However, there is a nagging in the back of their minds that wonders if the town will ever be free. As they approach their mailbox to pick up the day's post, do they feel the, a twinge when they see a Columbus postmark and let out a sigh of relief when, it's, when there is no sign of familiar, familiar heavy yellow paper with the address written in thick, squared-off black capitals? I know where you live. And that's it. Thank you, Dark Histories Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Can't stress that enough. Thank you very much. But um, a lot of questions here. A lot of questions. That was uh, interesting. Yeah, that definitely could have been uncovered. <laughs> Possibly. But that that was that. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this like as it got closer, as like it went on and on. Uh, that that wasn't like. Time-wise, the longest podcast ever, but I think that was the longest podcast yeah. ever. Me reading it. I know. It was a lot. It hurt sometimes. I had to <laughs> stop myself from laughing. Why? Because you were just like, you would like be reading, and then you'd be like, and then, like, it looked <laughs> it looked like you were just like, <laughs> I was having an aneurysm. <laughs> it's so hard. So that was, uh, that, that was super interesting, super uh, convoluted. I, I'm not entirely sure I understand uh, everything that happened. Well, you have but, a question? Um, not really. You don't want to dissect it? No, it it was a lot. Well, that's kind of the point of reading it. But like dissect, I don't think there's no need to dissect it though, because I feel like you cover it, everything was covered with it. But you don't want to try and solve it. Just give me a who Mo do you think most did it? plausible. I think um, I think the first guy they got was doing it and Paul, had had the an first guy arrested. Well, it wasn't the who was the one that got arrested and like that was 
Paul for sure. It was thought like he was still writing letters. Yeah, from jail. Yeah, so I Paul. think I think it was him, but he had an accomplice and just didn't reveal it yeah. to still try and play the innocent card and everything. Okay. So that's my thought. But I mean, he had that whole 176 page PDF that he sent to the FBI and was like, "Y'all got to come check out our, you know, legal system. Like it's corrupt." Like the the fact that he had that much confidence and like that he he was like yeah I'm not guilty I'm sending this shit out again maybe he's just like maintaining innocence I mean yeah you that's know. true that's a lot of pages though. that's a lot of uh, like he didn't have to do that who says he wrote it all could have been his accomplice might be mic drop I think there's definitely something there there I think that there is some sort of corruption within the county sheriff's office. Yeah, I think it I think it goes a lot deeper than we know. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe then that's maybe that's uh Yeah, I'll say that. I think it's a lot deeper than we know. Oh wow. Than we're able to uh to know ourselves yeah, that's via public access and so I'm going to say that. It's definitely a possibility. Paul is on the board. The whole David Longberry thing. Hmm. Two writer theory. I'm telling you, it's just a lot to get into. Maybe even more than two. Maybe it's like a little like town, small town cult to an extent. Well, so, it sort, certainly seems like it could be that kind of town. That's what I'm thinking, uh, and that's what I'm going with. Right. And I rest my case. Case. I rest <laughs> my case. That is solved. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Well, yeah, that's the Circleville letters. Found that. That topic. was deep on that topic this morning. And where can people find that if they want to look it up themselves? Just look up Circleville Letters Mystery. There's a bunch of other things you can listen to. I mean, I'm sure you, if the Dark Histories podcast went a little more in depth on it, um, which they probably did the same amount we did. Uh, my laptop's up today. We need to wrap this all up. Right, all right, all right. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, it's quite the mystery. It was. Twas. Uh, twas. Actually, as some and people say. You can find us at nightsfilms.podcast yes. on Instagram. And um, yeah, we've recorded three episodes today. I'll be honest. It's probably going to be the last one. Yeah. We'll record another one on yeah. Sunday, tomorrow. Yeah. Bye-bye. Love you all. And Later, y'all. Just remember, if you ever feel like you know, you're know you not worth anything, uh, it's not true <laughs> because you are My sunshine. special. Yes. You're and... Aliens love you. Maybe. Anything else you want to say, Douglas? Yeah, hold on. Let's pull up the... Uh... Oh, right. Oh, shoot. What that, the hell? That literally played itself. Um, I don't know. Uh, here you go. Here's a level up moment. Take that as you will.